Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Boiling Bunny Podcast. Uh, today, uh, we have a really special guest here with us. I am Jared, and to my right is... Danny uh, Astle. <laughs> Danny. Hi. <laughs> Hi, guys. I love your voice. It's gotten so uh, so masculine and nasally. This has always been how I spoke. <laughs> <laughs> like Tommy Pickles? <laughs> Uh, no, um, it's my good friend uh, Josh Wilmarth is with us, and uh, we're going to talk about Wes Anderson. Hi, guys. <laughs> Danny doesn't like Wes Anderson, and uh, I think it's uh, because he was spanked as a child. Yeah, um, <laughs> makes sense. I was reared every now and then, too, but um, I still found a place in my heart for old Wes yeah um you introduced me to wes anderson when we were kids still kids i don't know maybe uh what was the first movie i saw from him i think i saw royal tannenbaums first and then i saw rushmore yeah rushmore was the first one i'd seen i remember just because of my sister edith it it trickled down economics (laughs) um we were very pro reagan in in our household (laughs) Even I was born until 1990, so and they still uh, couldn't give up the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I remember I, it must have been like at Alex's house, like at Alec Torres's house or something like that, um, like after school or something. I think we went to his house and you showed me Royal Tannenbaums. I think you knew I would be interested in it. And then I kind of got interested in in all the other movies, and I wanted to know what else he made and all that. And then you showed me Rushmore next, and that and that one I I I wasn't as into like as a younger man, but growing, but kind of looking back at it and seeing it as an adult, I I appreciate it more. I love it more now than I did, you know, when I first saw it. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of um, uh, you know. My love for it is is based on it, the discovery factor of it being, you know, uh, having been the first one I'd seen. I wonder if I'd feel differently if I saw Royal Tenenbaums first, because those first three are all still very, like, uh, very much a, a, akin to each other, and I feel like almost um, kind of a trilogy in that everything after that seems to take kind of um, an aesthetic turn. Yeah, and I I feel the same way about it's it's kind of parallel to how I feel about Tarantino because I guess I get stuck in the discovery factor. It's it's when I discovered it, how old I was, and what I was I don't know. It's it's kind of the first time I first discovered movies. I, I guess I was discovering all these amazing things, colors and directors and all their work and stuff. You were discovering colors. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't see colors until I was a little bit older. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I feel the same way about uh, Tarantino's first three movies. I, I love Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. And I feel like after those three movies, his aesthetic changed. For sure. And it's, it's I guess that's kind of what you're saying with Wes Anderson. His, I see like um, parallels in style in the first three movies. And I don't even, well... Do you have them up right there? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, to that point, like, I I feel like we're, um, you know, uh, it's a great privilege to be coming up and and seeing each of their movies, these auteur directors, um, you know, as they come out, because we're just observing and experiencing their growth as artists, you know, over time, as opposed to, I mean, it's great to just have bodies of work. Um, already there for us that's so that's uh, invaluable also just to be yeah. able to um you know devour them at a clip just uh uh you know binge watch them all if you wanted to but um there is something to um kind of seeing them each as they come out as they're made you know over time and as we grow as as viewers yeah and you're you're talking about directors that are still working like we can we can go see their new movies as they come out. It's like oh he's, he's got something new out, right? And there's something different about this one, you know. Yeah, and exactly. That trend carry through through all the rest of the work that would follow is is you know interesting too. And being able to go back and chart like, oh yeah, you know like I 
wonder what was going on in his personal life at this time that kind of um, yeah skewed everything else after. What um, was the last movie you saw? Last movie I'd seen um, actually was Bottle Rocket. Rewatching Bottle Rocket. You um, just rewatched it? Yeah, because I've mostly <clears throat> been watching Columbo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Taxi. Taxi, not Taxi anymore. I'm back. I'm I'm uh, not in my taxi. Uh, I quit smoking cigarettes. Isn't that something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to cigars now. Yeah, Columbo is such a treat. Though. I watch that. Really? Why? What? I've I, I have no idea what Columbo is all about. What's what? What do you? <laughs> why do you watch that? What's it all about? Why, why do you like it? I don't know. There's something comforting about it. Um, I watch it when you go to bed. No, I watch it just throughout the day. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, you used to you, uh, you used to watch Taxi for like a, a comfort TV show. That was a good one too. Yeah. How does how does the song go? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, I I also rewatched Bottle Rocket um, a few weeks ago uh, when Curtis was 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 in town. We were watching it together, and um, I don't know. I also I wrote this down. I I kind of feel like uh, well, I was gonna ask you if if there is any like through line in all of his movies. What do you, like what do you think that is? Um, I mean, I think it's when he you know those for those first three especially you know he he demonstrates just immediately um a very um kind of dry wit is on the forefront like his humor has always you know that's one thing that's always persisted through through all his work and um uh there's always you know that sense of uh absurdist humor through everything he does um, but you know, even the, in those first three, I feel like they're they're on the forefront of. Um, I mean, since they're, I I feel as he goes on through his career, he adds more and more to his repertoire. Um, uh, but those for, for those first three, it's really what's on the forefront is just that wit, you know, absurdism, and just this rich poignancy that you get from these stories about family, ultimately, and relationships. And the first three have uh, the Wilson brothers. In them specifically, and I think they—I mean—they obviously give like a really specific feel. Owen Wilson is—I don't—he's—he's he's so silly and like and and base and well, he has—he was in the first three, and then he really wasn't in any of them until the French Dispatch. He's in Life Aquatic. Too. Okay, yeah, he's—he's he's kind of scattered in like the in the later ones, Kingsley's but. Easy. <laughs> I just rewatched Life Aquatic like uh, fairly recently. And, and he's in Darjeeling Limited, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess he's in a lot of them. But he's he's really, I don't know, I, I feel like he's such a strong character in the, in, in the first three. And he gives, like, a specific feel to them because he's so fucking silly. He's kind of like the comic relief. Like, even though the movies are funny, he's he's almost like, uh, I don't know, I like, I... I, I I end up watching my my eye goes to him because I want to see his stupid faces and like little stuff he does. And even in the in the short that we were watching before we uh, got here, um, it's the bottle it's, rocket. Yeah, it's uh, the short before bottle rocket. Um, when when uh, Luke Wilson, they're like next to this window and playing, and he's like playing on a pinball machine, and Luke Wilson gets pissed off and like goes out of the place and like around the glass door and like levels up to him. Like, like he's like passing him and like Owen Wilson, like knocks on the glass door as he's passing by. I just think that's, I don't know. It's, it's like a silly, he's, he's like, he's like a little kid. He like reminds me of a little boy or something. Yeah. He's, there's a <laughs> lot of little moments that seem, that are so organic that come from him that are silly is the great word for it. Like, yeah. he's, I remember in, in the bottle rocket, the, um, you know, the feature, <laughs> when he comes mm -hmm. back from when Anthony Luke Wilson's character comes back from seeing his sister Grace, uh, he comes back to the car and they left in just a a brief um, moment of the exchange between 
Dignan, Owen Wilson's character, and, and Bob. Mm. And Dignan's saying, when I was a kid, I wanted to know what makes thunder, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it was so charming that they left that in. Uh, they chose to just leave in a snippet of their conversation and what that must have been about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine he's just speculating. Like they're talking about him visiting his younger sister and then they start talking <laughs> about school and what school is like for them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's trying to give you like a little window into like what, what their personalities are like, what they're talking about when you're not looking. Yeah, a lot of that movie feels like, um, you know, the, you're sort of in on this inside joke almost. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, Future Man is uh, well, Bob's older brother. So Bob in Bottle Rocket, Bob is their rich friend. His family is rich. And he has an older brother named Future Man who's played by uh, the Wilson's actual older brother, Andrew Wilson. And he's only ever referred to as Future Man, <laughs> which I've, I've just absolutely loved. So he's a bully to his younger brother, Bob. And um, they, they're not a fan of his for that reason. You know, he's, he, they're not friendly with him at all, but they all still refer to him as Future Man, which I found <laughs> so funny that, you know, I'm almost like, is that his actual, is that his Christian name? <laughs> <laughs> his Christian name? He's, he, he's not in uh, any other movies, is he? The older brother? Uh, he's in. He's actually in Rushmore. He's uh, like his gym teacher. Oh, okay. He has like a little bit part. He like shows. He yeah. He's the one who comes up when he's um, cutting down the the tree at the baseball diamond for for the new aquarium. That's oh, gonna, okay. He's breaking ground on. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the one that goes? Shows my baseball diamond. Yes. Okay. That's Future Man. <laughs> <laughs> What I wouldn't have given for his, I mean, you know, the movie's pretty perfect as is, but I would have just loved to hear a, a snippet of his parents act, calling him Future Man as well. Like, Future Man! <laughs> on, the, on the voicemail <laughs> or something. We love you, Future Man. Well, uh, <clears throat> Rushmore's, um, well, no, Bottle Rocket was his first feature. That was in 96. Um, and before that, they made the Bottle Rocket short in '94. What was that called? Was it just was it just called Bottle Rocket? It was also just called Bottle okay. Rocket. And it's essentially um, just the first act of the of the actual feature. Yeah. Um, it's black and white. Starts off with them like robbing a place. Mm-hmm. Robbing uh, Anthony's parents' house. Right, the house. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. I, I we watched a little bit of it before we started this pod, and then um, yeah. So Bo- Bottle Rocket's great. We kind of discussed that a little bit. R- Rushmore, I yeah, like I was saying when we when we started, I I have like a there's like a special place in my heart for that one. I I really love Rushmore and I really love Moonrise Kingdom a lot, and I think it's because they both have it's like a like a coming of age there's i have i have a boner for these coming of age movies that are like similar to catcher in the rye mm-hmm. it's like um and even in moonrise kingdom uh the main character has like a uh, an animal skin hat it's like a is, is it like a raccoon or something yeah that's why i don't like to watch those movies with you <laughs> because <laughs> you can't help yourself I know it's true, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's, there's obviously these movies are like so fucking chalk with detail. That's he's kind of showing off how fucking awesome he is with that. But it's, it's like, it's detail all around. It's so much fucking detail. It's, it's more than just the colors or the symmetry. It's detail in the storyline. Like, the relationship he has with his parents and and Rushmore or his one parent. And I mean, he still has a relationship with his mom and you, you see that you, you, it shows that to you, you know, um, when, when he's like at the cemetery. Yeah. And by himself, his typewriter, you know, Bravo Max has Bravo Max described, um, probably after his, uh, 
After he wrote the Watergate. The, a little one act. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think Rushmore, I think all three of those first movies are really about... So Bottle Rocket, you know, is about friendship, ultimately. And, you know, it opens up with um, Anthony's character... Or Anthony, Luke Wilson's character being um, <coughs> sprung from a mental hospital. Um, yeah, that's great. But there's uh, his uh, doctor comes into the room and you come to find that... Um, uh, he's actually there voluntarily, and Dignan is outside, um, <laughs> yeah. flashing a mirror up at the window and holding a walkie-talkie, um, and you realize it's all for his benefit. It's the so. classic, like uh, he like ties the sheets together and throws it down and and hops out. They're just like, yeah, this guy could just check out at the front door. Right. <laughs> and then they um, and then they rob his parents' house. Anthony's parents' house is the first thing they do after he gets out of the hospital, um, and. Uh, as the movie plays on, you know, it's really, um, I, I think you get the sense that the, he would do anything for this, this friend of his, Yeah. you know, even though these aren't things that he necessarily has any interest in. He really doesn't seem, Anthony doesn't seem to uh, maintain any interest at all um, until he meets uh, Inez, a, a romantic interest of that film. Yeah. And, th- and that's, that's kind of what drives him forward after that. So she's a, a maid, um, a uh, at a motel that they are um, uh, on the lamb uh, ducking out in and uh, she uh, doesn't speak English and so there's a language barrier there that ends up you know foiling their relationship a little bit later Um, but uh, I I think um, ultimately you know Bottle Rocket's about friendship and and you know the sacrifices you make for your friends um, and uh, Rushmore is more about loss um, and what it's like to lose, you know, a parent. Um, what it's like to lose love, you know. Edward Edward Bloom, you know, is is a freshly divorced and um, you know estranged from his wife, obviously. And um, yeah, both of these guys are are going through their own. It's it's an adult and a child essentially i mean you know adolescent and they're both going they're both going through they're both handling their own loss and they end up falling in love with the same woman and through that they end up uh having to reconcile their own losses and you you that that kind of bubbles over when 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 they both meet in like the elevator and he's just like hey kid like he kind of misses him you could you could tell that bloom like is kind of like happy to see him because he's so broken and he's so broken down at that point in the movie and he's like so fucked up he's like he's like drinking liquor out of that uh soda can and he has a cigarette and then they're in the uh, elevator and he like he puts out one of his cigarettes and like puts the butt in between like a bunch of stack of towels or something <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that's like the truest moment between them i feel like and after that when max that movie's about friendship too and like you know and then and then max takes care of him later he like takes him to his dad's the barber shop and he, and his and his dad fixes him up and you know and then and then the story moves on and he tries to get him to win her back and all that but i mean it's it really is about that too like that rushmore is about friendship as well i i love that it's between Bill Murray and young Jason Schwartzman and Jason Schwartzman is he, he plays that role like he's I almost can't see him outside of that role I I, I see that in all the rest of his roles I there's there's always Max Fisher and I feel like I kind of feel like actors get almost stuck in roles sometimes like that like uh, if something is so strong they they kind of carry over that it's it's almost like how Johnny Depp is always a little bit Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> it's Has like, that been your experience watching him? A little bit. I kind of feel like he he brings a little. Uh, he brings a little bit of that to every role he does from now on. Um, but I don't know. I I almost feel like Jason Schwartzman is a little bit more talented than Johnny Depp these days. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. He 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 really made that that movie for me, and I guess so did Bill Murray. There's a lot of little funny moments in that too, and I guess that's a style of Wes Anderson. There's a lot of subtlety, and you have to really be paying attention to catch everything. Because a lot in there. You can watch them multiple times, and you'll find new things every single time. Yeah, he's really big on sight gags and, you know, filling the frame with, with um, I mean, as he, as he goes on, he becomes obsessed with symmetry. Yeah. Um, but um, I think, yeah, he's always had a keen sensor composition and, you know, making all of his images uh, compelling and, and instilling a, a comic sense in, in all of them. Um, and even like stylistically, there's a there's a lot those three movies have in common. Um, or you know, as I mentioned before, like um, just thematically, um, they're all very poignant. Royal Tenenbaums would be all about family and um, you know redemption, essentially, in, in the faces uh, of people who basically come to despise you with the exception of Rick Richie. Yeah, and I was gonna bring that up too. I I love how Richie is like still on his dad's side. Like he still gives him a chance. He's and <laughs> even when he's like downstairs, they're all sitting at the table and like talking about him. And it's just like, well he's upstairs right now, but I guess you can wake him up and throw him out. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was always his favorite, Richie. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. The yeah. bomber. <laughs> bomber. Hey, bomber. Yeah, that's the best part is when they're walking through the cemetery. He's such a cool that, guy, yeah. passerby, the groundskeeper or whatever. I dropped <laughs> a pack of cigarettes. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, and those those first three all share, uh, you know, I think uh, have j- uh, very strong montages, very, like, noteworthy, <gasps> memorable non- montages. The Ramones for... Uh Margot for Margot, Margot, like amazing. Royal Tenenbaums, yeah, the Ramones playing and they're covering all of her lovers essentially. Yeah, that this private investigator had, um, had compiled. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. And then his biggest thing, he sees all that and he's like, "She smokes." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, Rally Sinclair. Another Sinclair. one in in the same movie. I I love the uh, Paul Simon, me and Julio down by the schoolyard with. Uh, Gene Hackman and Ari and Uzi, yeah. Um, I love that part so much. I, I I love that movie, and it's 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 because of those things. It's like because of those montage uh, scenes and the music and the costumes. And I love Angelica Houston. I think she brings like a level of class to his movies, and he uses these amazing actors, of course. Gene Hackman, like I feel like Gene Hackman should have been in more movies but i actually saw this behind the scenes thing with gene hackman like a supplemental like interview and it's i think you might you, you might have even shown it to me I, if you remember he was kind of like he was like a little um what do you call it uh not jaded like he's he's like aloof okay and he's he's kind of making fun of like oh you put on a silly costume and oh you have to do like he's he's he was being kind of an asshole being a little bit of a dick (laughs) i loved him as i loved him as the character he's fucking awesome i feel like he should have been in more of these movies but it kind of seemed like he just didn't get it Hmm. well he's a terrible lex luther (laughs) never a fan of him as lex luther i loved him in the birdcage Oh yeah, he's great in that. <laughs> you could have. What if you fell? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and he falls in love. He gets. Uh, oh yeah, he falls he, in love with. Uh, he loves uh, Nathan Lane. Nathan he loves. Lane at the end. They just don't make women like that nowadays. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, and then wait, Rushmore had that great montage too. Of course, the classic montage of him, Max Fisher's clubs, all the clubs. That oh, he, all making time. Extracurricular activities, and another soundtrack that's I, probably my favorite of all of them. All the British Invasion. You like you? Yeah. You like the Rushmore soundtrack? Yeah, I think I think that's my favorite. It's great. And then Bottle Rocket, those all the three robbery scenes throughout you know mm. kinetic energy is the montage there. he's a ziggy pop doesn't he for one of them no that's uh life aquatic when, oh there you go yeah when uh yeah um 
the pirates get uh, fended off. But um, yeah, there's also that great moment <laughs> in, at the end of uh, Bottle Rocket. Last thing I'll say about that is when they're <laughs> doing the last robbery and then they find uh, Kumar <coughs> in the um, in the uh, vault. They leave him there. Oh yeah. And he's supposed to be uh, breaking the vault in the main office or whatever. And then they go off. Uh, Dignan goes off and does their, uh, other stuff and comes back and Kumar is just sit, <laughs> sitting down on a bench <laughs> on the other side of the room just staring at the wall. It's shit like that. Wes Anderson has so much shit like that in there where it's like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh man, I blew it. <laughs> He's sitting there disappointed at himself. Um, Yeah, I fucking love those. Those, those first three are, are special to me. And then he does Life Aquatic, which is which is great. Um, I feel like Life Aquatic and Darjeeling Limited almost have the same style, too. Yeah, so I think with those movies onward, starting with Life Aquatic, he introduces um, more surrealism into mm. his imagery. I mean, you get a lot of, you know, those all of the ocean creatures. Oh, that's great. Um, that a lot of them seem like claymation. Yeah. Kind of maybe like his early his first foray into that um pre uh fantastic mr fox yeah i prefer it when there's a little bit of that in there i don't want too much of it like you know fantastic mr fox is great i you know but it's it's like ah fuck oh i love that shit i really yeah <coughs> i just love the i mean because i love how he uses the same actors in, in a lot of his movies because it gives you it's it's almost like Christopher Guest. It it gives you a feeling of like like oh okay, these are my friends. I fucking know these guys. They're going to be in this in this in this movie again and you're like excited to see them again. And I feel like he just works with actors really well. He he makes them he makes them into, you know, cartoons. It's like live action cartoons, but but I don't know. I still I still appreciate what he did. I think that yeah, after those you okay. So I think that after those, uh, you know, he 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 really maintains that surreal uh, quality through everything he does. Um, but beginning with Fantastic Mr. Fox in two thousand nine, he really starts to introduce like this interdisciplinary um, composition into all of his work, where he'll he'll uh, apply animation um to um you know uh, his practical effects he'll include he'll include it and um compose it over live action stuff going on sometimes um and it just shows like his it again just charts his development as an artist like he's learned to do he spent you know the four years <laughs> or the two years or however long fantastic mr fox took i think it was four really um, Four years? I think so, because I think he was working it like while he was doing Darjeeling Limited. Um, God damn, this motherfucker never stops. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think, um, at, you know, after being able to do that so well, um, he just began to he began to employ that in in much of his work thereafter, and you see it more and more. Like in Moonrise Kingdom, it's like that quick flash you get of the arrow. Um, and you know, with it's like uh, yeah, matte screen behind it. Um, and then in Grand Budapest, you get all of these, um, you know, elaborate miniature animations. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I I love that about Grand Budapest. Actually, I think he struck kind of a good, a good um, balance in that movie, <clears throat> with with using you know, animation and stuff or claymation. Uh, Darjeeling Limited did that feed your uh, curiosity about India? Um, yeah, I'd, I, I, I'd have to say you know it's just such such exotic landscapes. Um, you get a real sense of his love for the land. Yeah, in in all in you know all of the cinematography and you were telling me something about the set itself too right uh the train yeah i don't remember what i was telling you when we were kids you were like it's it's all handmade oh like he's i think yeah it's hand painted yeah right 
So I mean, yeah, there's always been um, uh, an eccentric level of, of detail to yeah. his production design, and um, um, yeah, Darjeeling Limited is no exception. Even though a lot of it is shot on location, um, you know, he's still definitely um, it's still a Wes Anderson movie for sure. Um, it's and there's like <laughs> he has this level of detail that's like like Kubrick has a level of detail. That's like out, that's fucking way out of this world, and it's so deep, and you can you can watch his movies over and over and still find something new. But he has like a different level of detail. It's it's kind of like I don't even know how to explain it. It's it's easier for for me to visualize in my head than it is to say in words, and maybe it's better left unsaid. But but he's he's it's like flowery almost it's it's it reminds me of something i don't know light and airy and it's like i don't know i can i can go and watch his that's why his movies are so great to watch in theaters because it's it's such uh they're so like visually striking and it's like i i feel like it's a lot of detail in like what you see one thing i have a fucking complaint about his movies though is I feel like I can't fucking hear them. You can't hear them? I can't hear them. <laughs> you always give me that face. But I I really I feel like the, I feel like the dialogue is too fucking low. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the audio is like too low or something. I can't hear the dialogue. Um in like all of his movies. <laughs> the French Dispatch, I was like, "What?" And even Bottle Rocket, I have to, like, turn the dialogue up. I have to use subtitles, and I like to hear, like, like all the little characteristic things that they're bringing to the table. So I want to, like, hear them say the words. So I have to turn that shit up, like, all the way. You might want to check the warranty on your TV. <laughs> That's a TV you gave a me. technical <laughs> issue. It's an old TV. It's a hand-me-down. Damn, it might just be my TV. I don't know. I haven't had that issue. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but I just think it's funny. I was, I was waiting for you to make fun of me because I, I have the same complaint for like, uh, the movie green room, but it's just, oh. about, but it's, <laughs> no, you, you can't understand Patrick Stewart. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you don't have an issue, uh, with the, anyone else's dialogue. In that no, movie. everyone else is fine in that movie, but uh, he's just like, Oh, <laughs> Wow, Patrick Stewart's made a guest appearance. <laughs> Sir, it's an honor to meet you. I loved you on Extras. Extras, it's a good one. What are you guys doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can gotta hear. You can. Oh, oh. Was Patrick Stewart just in here? I'm sorry, I went to the I went to the restroom. He's yeah, it was hard to make out what he was saying. I was about to ask him to repeat himself. Oh god. Uh, oh fuck, he just he just walked out. He's a busy man. Um well, hopefully he'll come back. Uh the next one I want to talk about, I mean that uh Life Aquatic Darjeeling Limited together. Um Is that the only one Jeff Goldblum's in? No, he's in uh He's in um French Dispatch. He's in French too. Dispatch. There you go. And uh, he's in Grand Budapest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is he in French Dispatch, actually? I don't remember. Or am I mixing it up with Grand I think I might he's be mixing Grand it up. He's in Grand Budapest. Um, I think he's a lawyer who's... who's um, he ends up getting killed by Willem Dafoe's character. That cuts a menacing figure in that movie. I feel like uh, he would have kept using... If it weren't for Jeff Goldblum, he would have kept using um, that guy that plays Max Fisher's teacher. He's like a he's like a oh, dark the, guy, the Indian guy. Yeah, the Indian guy with glasses. Yeah, he's in he's in Bottle Rocket too. He works yeah. at the bookstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and there's another. I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking, you know, drawing a parallel there, um, in that short, the Bottle Rocket short, the gun salesman is wearing an "I'm a Pepper" T-shirt. It's the same one that Jeff Goldblum's character wears later when he's being rescued uh, by those uh, from those pirates. In, oh, in, in Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic. <laughs> yeah, you're like supposed to assume that um, that it was uh, like a T-shirt that they just gave him to wear. <laughs> like, yeah, this is lying around. Here you go. Yeah, I don't think he'd be wearing that. 
It's too posh. Um, Darjeeling Limited also, uh, I think that's one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know. There's like something about, there's like something about, uh, like three, like just like the brothers traveling the, like the movie's constantly moving. It's, it has like a rolling feel and, uh, the music's fucking awesome, of course. And I don't know, there's, there's just little things about it that are, that are, uh, so unique and like to me it makes it like one of his most unique films and uh that whole thing with like uh there's that foxy indian chick in the <laughs> sweet lime sweet lime oh she's awesome uh that's how they get kicked off of the train i think oh no it's because no, of the snake the snake yeah which yeah. Who, the, which the captain ends up or the conductor ends up keeping you find out later oh yeah when they're doing those like uh that's another montage that they're doing it's like those symmetrical montages of like everybody in separate rooms and stuff and he he has the snake he kind of like holds it up and it's like mm. yeah and um you know the those these themes of of like loss and family will you know remain consistent throughout all that's definitely yeah that's a huge through line loss family they're going to see their mom and she lives in the himalayas and like they're estranged from her and essentially when they show up she's just like stopping babies that's like that's kind of what she tells them she's just like stop feeling sorry for yourselves it's unattractive and then their whole point is like she's out helping all these other people and they're just like what the fuck we're your sons we need you and she's like no you don't you're fine just stop bothering me she's like helping people that actually need it yeah and she's really just she's had her own way of coping with exactly that's her way of doing the it. the whole time you know she i think she wasn't at the funeral you find yeah. out later in the flashback yeah and she just took off to india to go, um, you know, work at that mission. Yeah. Is it calling work? Is it is it called work when you? Is it called a pilgrimage? <laughs> on a pilgrimage. Um. You kidding me? Fuck no! <laughs> Remember that one? Get back in that car. Get back in that car. You kidding me? Fuck no! <laughs> <laughs> and then um. They're not gonna wait. I guess just tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they like wheel the car out. They try to get it out. All that shit happens. And then they wheel it back. And they like push it back out of the garage. And then they all like close the garage door and all start running back. And Jason Schwartzman goes up and hugs the. Yeah, he hugs the mechanic. <laughs> yeah. The German mechanic. <laughs> That's great. The There's wildered. so so many awesome fucking parts in that movie i feel like he could have used a little bit of, an, of of animation in that too he could have done some cool stuff with that i i i'm wondering at how much of that train i don't know if there is like real miniatures that they used yeah um but i mean there's uh there's a shot with the tiger at the end Remember oh that? it's like yeah it's, it's it kind of shows it that's a pretty like strange visual that yeah i'm not sure how they photographed that yeah 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 i I actually forgot about that that's pretty interesting i love that um he did fantastic mr fox after that that was in 09 i don't know man this is where it gets into you know all the all the fun stuff all the silly stuff all the clay animation and i mean this this was entirely but isn't it perfectly suited for him like he's always been like silly and and warm you know and flowery as you put it like i feel like that's just the ultimate uh, that's just him playing in his own sandbox and like every inch of that screen of of that frame is is wes anderson's creation you know i mean other people worked on it obviously but Ah, but but that's all he was doing that before well before he would have to you'd still have to use like the sky that we have on earth and like He's still limited to to sets and and what mm. can be photographed. You're saying that I mean. when he's but but when 
when you're doing animation like that, the production design is purely original, like every inch of it. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so reluctant to, to be like, oh, I love this. It's a, I, I, I don't it's know. because you're a miserable person. Yeah, it's probably don't that. enjoy happiness. <laughs> I love Rushmore and Life Aquatic, but I, <clears throat> I don't know, like, I guess that's fine. I, I guess he has my permission, I, I suppose. Um, after that, he did Moonrise Kingdom, and I, 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 really, I really love Moonrise Kingdom a lot. Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom is pretty great. Probably the... I mean... No, I guess starting with Royal Tenenbaums, everything's pretty much... Well, not everything. Darjeeling Limited, not so much. But he's, you know... He's works with ensembles often and Moonrise is is, you know, that in spades. It's just such a vast cast. Yeah, he I I feel like he almost switches his ensemble during that time. It's like Bruce Willis, Tilda Swinton, and they and they ended up being in more of his Edward movies Norton. later. Who? Edward Norton. Eddie Eddie Nort? Yeah. Ed Norty. Ed Ed Nort. <laughs> um, yeah, and and those guys end up being in the, you know movies later on and stuff, and that's cool. I I I love how he works with an ensemble cast because it's like I was saying before, it gives you like like a feeling of like oh yeah, these are these are my friends. I fucking know these guys are gonna make me laugh, and um, yeah, and I love how Moonrise Kingdom has uh, he's he he was right to go with like kind of an unknown actor for his mate for that main part for the for the little kid Sam. yeah because that 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 kid is like awesome he's pitch perfect for that role well and it's also like this harkens back to something you said at the beginning um when you mentioned that like you feel like actors take a bit of these characteristics mm. with them in every role that you see yeah yeah and that's really the beauty of an unknown actor is yeah he doesn't have any of that right um Grand Budapest. So the last three, Grand Budapest, Isle of Dogs, and French Dispatch. Grand Budapest is like, especially the last two live action movies, Grand Budapest and French Dispatch are just like full blown immersed in animation. Like Mm. he has no limits anymore. Anything. He can do whatever he wants. Right. And, and I feel like, um, there's there's so effects heavy and animation heavy that you're really starting to see him crystallize like his his voice and his visual vocabulary um you know in a way that he couldn't when you look back at 1996 and bottle rocket and you like look at bottle rocket and then uh french dispatch or grand budapest and and you know they're they look like two different people made i mean you still see qualities um, ringing true throughout, you know, and par- many parallels, of course, but like, he's just, it just shows so how far he's come as yeah. an artist. And, um, Isle of Dogs, even, he takes, he even employs 2D animation into the, into the stop motion. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he, even develops his his anim, um, animated voice further than he did in Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I find interesting. Yeah, he's, and that's what's pretty cool about him is that he it kind of always seems like he's always expanding. He's always like going further and um, you know developing his palette. It's 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 always getting um, he he keeps going with his trajectory and you know sits in it and like lets it gel and really that's cool that's cool i mean i I have to respect him as an artist for like doing that for if if he really loves going in with that animation and and making that a part of his style i have to just really respect it it's it's you know it's pretty cool i just happen to like his other stuff a little bit more his earlier stuff it's the same thing with tarantino i mean i feel like tarantino is more whimsical now um, like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I mean there's like the ending is just fucking insane and he kind of didn't do that in his earlier films 
Well, I f- and it's uh, I I I feel it's in the same vein as the ending of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah. You know, where he's just he's he's mixing history, all the liberties and, that he wants, right. and can make fucking Manson murders a a, a t- the Tate murder rather right. a, a splatter fest. Yeah, know, yeah. Like, um, and he's the first. Do you know any other directors to do that to to mix reality with like their own with their own uh, sure. story? Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be there's I'm sure if we if we take a moment, there's we'll find plenty of examples of historical figures being um, you know introduced in fictional accounts yeah. like um, narratives, right? Like, what's the that um, uh, Fucking John Milius movie, the wind, the lion, and the wind, or the wind and the lion. He's, um, I forget. The What's one. it about? Um, so it's about uh, Sean Connery, um, and uh, he's this. Um, it's called the wind and the lion. Right. Nineteen seventy-five. Sean Connery, Candace Bergen, Brian Keith, John Huston. Right, and then. Um, Who's who else is in that movie, or who, what are the characters in that movie? Because, isn't uh, f- the Teddy Roosevelt is is one of the main characters in the film, if I recall correctly? Epic adventure war film written and directed by John Milius and starring Sean Connery, Candice Bergen, Brian Keith, and John Huston, made in Panavision and Metrocolor, and produced by Herb Jeff, who worked on Woody Allen films later, and Phil Rollins. The film was loosely based on the real life. <clears throat> yeah, Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, so there are. Curtis Harris affair, nineteen oh four. There are like whole like long sequences about Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, okay, that's cool. Just him pontificating as to like what makes a man great and shit like that, and it's a real like love letter to this guy. Oh. And, um, and that, a lot of that had to be fictional account. Like uh, I doubt he said that shit. Probably gee too. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, I that's I just think that's dope. I I I love mixing like uh, hist like history with fiction. I think that's so Forrest sick. Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> how could, how could we forget? How is that not the first example? I gotta play. I yeah. love New Year's. Everybody gets a second chance. <laughs> I don't think that was a historical thing. She was. <laughs> she was. <laughs> she was the real Penny Lane. <laughs> All right. So if you had to rank these, top five, starting from five. Oh, his movies mm-hmm. for you. <clears throat> Shoot, starting with five. Yeah. Um. Well, I'd say um, that's pretty hard. I'm prepared to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. But I, I can. I feel like I can do it. Let's see. Um, I think it's hard. I think it's easier for me to start with one. Okay, start with one. Um, so that would be. I think that would be Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's like, right in the center of his of his renaissance, so to speak. It's like between it's after his sophomoric efforts but it's before he really like comes into his own but you see the inklings of that coming in and it's his i feel well it's a second big ensemble movie but it's it's so much funnier i find um than royal ten of mums so i i feel like um yeah life aquatic is probably number one it's hard that's it's still difficult to to decide that but i would think I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards it. Yeah. That. What's next for you? Next would have to be Rushmore. Just because it was, you know, it's the first I saw. Um, I still think it's the funniest. Yeah. Um, the funniest, really? I don't know. Yeah. It, I, is, it is the funniest. I, I, to me, yeah, all the jokes are just, they just hit so well, and they're, and they're still so, it's, it's very relatable, too. Yeah, it is. You know, everyone's been heartbroken. Yeah, and everyone's been that young before. I mean, we've been to school and just being that young and adolescent. And unrequited love, you know. Yeah. It's, it's um, never been uh, expressed um, as as well as, yeah. as in, in that movie. 
What about three? Three. Um, Moonrise Kingdom, maybe. Yeah. Actually, shoot, man. Three would have to be Fantastic Mr. Fox for me. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a very important movie for him to yeah. be made. And it, it, um, it definitely, you know, influenced all his work thereafter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's like the first of that style. Um, okay. What about four? Um, Moonrise Kingdom. <clears throat> and lastly, Royal Tenenbaums has got to make it on that list. For sure. I agree with a lot of those. <clears throat> um, for me, it's uh, starting from five, Bottle Rocket, four, Moonrise Kingdom, three, Royal Tenenbaums, two, Darjeeling Limited, and one, Rushmore. Darjeeling is, is, means a lot to me. All these movies mean a lot to me. All the all of his movies mean a lot to me. But I I enjoy those ones the most. They're the most rewatchable for me. I can watch Fantastic Mr. Fox with my little sister, you know, something like that. It's like something she'll enjoy. That's like for everybody. Everyone can enjoy that. Um Danny doesn't like Wes Anderson. Yeah, why not? I don't know. Let's ask him. Uh <laughs> Oh, Danny, I didn't see you there. Come on in. <laughs> He's like Chucky. He's like Chucky from Rugrats. <laughs> I was thinking more of that kid from um, Hey Arnold. I think... Um, With the glasses. <laughs> uh, I would be like Skeeter from uh, Doug. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Um, he's way cooler than me. No, I, I think Danny just doesn't like fun. Um he doesn't enjoy uh, visual, visually pleasing things. And uh, he's Jewish. That's does that's true. <laughs> he is. Um, yeah, uh, well, I don't know. In closing, let's see if there's anything else I wanted to say here. Uh, oh, okay, one, one more thing I want to say about him is... Uh, there's there's like you know he uses amazing music of course and he uses uh awesome dialogue and everything but he also knows when to shut up like he he Danny <laughs> No, he doesn't know when to shut up. <laughs> no, um Anderson he he like he'll like turn the camera and there'll be a frame right there and it's quiet and like he'll use like he'll he'll use the silence to like kind of make the scene funnier. Like, like he like knows when to draw back and, um, be like quiet and subtle. And then like, he, he knows that like a pregnant pause can be funny for sure. Yeah. He's always had a very keen sense of timing. Yeah. That's good timing. Um, all right. That's it guys. Speaking of timing, <laughs> we're all out of it. We'll see you next week. <laughs> thanks for having, thanks for uh, coming on Josh. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you.